Hey Gauda members, welcome back to our final Gauda TV episode of 2023. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you for your continued support of the show. In today's episode, we're joined by Gauda's first Vice President, Allison Erlbeck. Allison will be the President of the Association in 2026. Allison, we appreciate you joining the show today. You were named CEO of Erlbeck Gases and Technologies this year. Can you tell us about the transition process and everything the company went through to ensure it was as seamless as possible? So I will say that it was quite a long process. So we have been on this journey for 13 years now, believe it or not. It's, it's kind of hard for me to believe it, even though, although I lived it. Um, so we had a very mindful transition between generations. My dad's transition into his leadership role was a little clunky. And um, he definitely took some lessons learned out of that. And because of that, he was very strategic and thoughtful about how he wanted to help prepare me for my future role within the organization. So um, one of the very first things that I did when I first started to work with Rollback Gases and Technologies was I did essentially an internship where I uh, worked with every single department within our organization in order to understand how it all comes together. How does the business work? So what are the essential functions of accounts payable? of operations and trucking and dispatch. So I get a chance uh, very early into my career to be able to kind of see, um, you know, beneath the curtain or behind the curtain a little bit and get to see how everything came together in order to um, actually be able to deliver to our customers and collect money and do all the essential functions that it, that it takes. Um, so that did give me a great starting point to then transition over into an entry level role. Um, my dad was very, um, you know, smart to say, hey, I want you to have to work from the ground up. So I don't want you to come in with a management, you know, position under your belt on day one. So you're going to come in in an entry level role and you're going to pay your dues and you're going to understand, you know, what that experience is like for those people that are in those roles. And so um, I did that for about five or six years until it was finally time for me to step into my first management role. Um, with that, I actually um, am a member of Vistage, which is a peer-to-peer um, -peer coaching group. And so we do have a lot of really good high-level uh, speakers that come in once a month. And I also have a peer advisor group. And that was another thing that was super instrumental in helping me get prepared for the role. Um, and then I will say that all of the years have now blended together where eventually it just got to a point where my dad and I both decided that it was it was pretty natural at, the, at that point to change titles because he had started to peel back his hours at the office and he had started to step back from a day to day perspective and was mostly giving mentoring advice to um, people in our team. So at that point, we just decided to reshuffle the deck and give new titles and make it official. But um, in, a, in a way, actually, nothing nothing changed just because of the fact that we had been so slow and had been inching towards that goal for such a long time. As CEO, how do you balance the company's 100-year legacy with new ideas and vision? Is there anything on the horizon for OBAC that you're particularly excited about? So one of the things that I had to learn pretty quickly was that in the CEO role, you don't have to have all the answers. Uh, you need to have a good team. And so a thing that became really important for me is making sure that we were providing training opportunities for the up and comers within our organization. Um, also having an eye for spotting talent and bringing it on maybe before we even need it. If I see that there's going to be a potential hurdle that we're gonna have to cross just with growth, then I will start to look and say, who's that person that I need for that spot in five years? Is that person on my team? Can I train them for that? Or do I need to start to look for some outside talent? So a big focus for me has actually been building our team. I knew as a 
32 year old CEO that I wouldn't have it all figured out. I am not as seasoned as, you know, some of the other people that have my, have my role. And so um, because of that, I had to come in very humble and realize that I was going to need to bring people in to, you know, kind of round out some of the areas that I may not be as experienced in. Um, so what I am most excited about is the team of people that I have around me, uh, because I think together we make a really great company. <laughs> You were part of the SMC planning committee for next year's event in San Antonio. Is there anything that came out of that meeting that you're most excited for? One of the things that I'm most excited about is our speaker lineup. So one of the things that Gary was very thoughtful about was taking the, the feedback that we've received through prior um, SMCs in terms of content that people want to see and really made sure that he was he was gearing all of the presentations and the speakers to address the concerns that are top of mind for both distributors and manufacturers alike. So the lineup speaker is going to be fantastic and there's going to be a lot of different take home um, presentations where I think people in a lot of different roles would be able to, to go and bring something back to their company that they can implement. During the convention, Gary talked about how he would like to make artificial intelligence a key pillar for his year as president. You've been vocal about the way that AI can benefit our members. What made you so passionate about this topic and how do you feel it can have an impact on businesses in our industry? So there's a quote that always is rumbling around in my mind. Um, it's from Ben Franklin. Um, if you need something done, ask a busy person. So um, people that have a lot on their plate um, do not have the luxury of, um, you know, a lot of, uh, they can't drag their feet, right? They're, they're going to have to just come up with a plan and make things happen. And as I was coming into my role, I realized that I had almost become a bottleneck for our company because a lot of things did have to go through my, my desk in order to get approved or, you know, uh, move forward. And so I realized that I needed to step out from that. Um, the reason why I love AI is because it allows me to get things done much faster in a way that doesn't jeopardize the quality of the, um, you know, the the communications that I'm providing with our to our team. Um, it's kind of given us, um, you know, some resources in terms of marketing. So we've used it in a lot of different areas of our business. But ultimately, the reason why um, it became such a passion topic for me is because I said, you know, hey, this is a really great tool to be able to kind of, you know, speed up what I'm able to get off of my desk and making sure that I am, you know, creating clear communications for our team as well. I think a lot of people have begun to understand the marketing capabilities of using AI. What are some of the other ways that you use it internally at Earlback that have benefited the company? There is a lot of other ways that you can utilize AI other than just marketing. So um, some, of the, some of the things that I think would be particularly poignant for um, the GATA members um, are actually most specifically training videos. So one of the ways that we have used AI is there are tools that you can use to basically sit somebody in front of a computer, you let them talk for 30 minutes, and then it will transcribe it and make it into a how-to video. So as we are currently dealing with the brain drain like everybody else, um, this has become something that has been really helpful for us in order to help kind of capture that knowledge before it leaves and it goes out the door. Um, so that's thing number one. It's also helpful for um, search engine op optimization. It's great for writing code for your websites. Um, it is good for bios and for press releases, Excel formulas. There's so many ways that you can use AI. So um, regardless of your role within an organization, I would almost guarantee you and challenge you to 
say that there is an application that you can be utilizing. Um, so my goal is, you know, in our in our SMC um, presentation, I'll be giving a talk on how people can uh, potentially adopt AI in distribution and, and manufacturing as well. On a similar note, how do you feel that automation has impacted our industry and where do you see that trend headed? So I would say that automation in our industry in general is a very, very important topic right now and one that I think that we all need to keep ourselves educated on because this will really impact our customers. So whereas in distribution right now, we're looking at it for some of the reasons that I mentioned before, um, there's actually a lot more opportunity for our customers. So one of those is cobots. So our end users are still dealing with the same struggles that we're dealing with. They've got people that are on their team that have been with them for, you know, dozens of years and they're getting ready to retire. And how do you make sure that your quality of product is staying consistent, even though you might have somebody else that's going to be making that component? So that's where that's where cobots come in. Um, so with that, you still need an experienced welding operator, but you can do more with less welders. And I would love to say that you know we we have a generation that you know we're going to have may, way more welders than we would ever need, but we're not there yet. So um, I think in order to get us through this next challenge um, of that we're going to be dealing with this for the next decade or so of of bringing people into our industry, it's a really good stopgap solution. So. I think that's a big thing. Um, and then also through the, you know, the, you know, Internet of Things too, right? So um, a lot of the equipment that we sell to our customers is recording information on their utilization, their, um, their, their, you know, their start times and, you know, how long it takes to produce a product. Is there any typical, you know, technical difficulties in the process, things like that. And that is going to be used to essentially give all of the data to a manufacturing customer that they would need in order to increase their process um, in order to uh, you know make sure that they're creating a consistent product um, they are making a product that doesn't need rework they're making a product that is going to be able to be done you know five times faster than what, what they were doing before in a manual process so these are the things that we really need to be keeping an eye out for and educating our customers on so that they know how big this can be for them Allison, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to see your AI presentation in San Antonio. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. We've got a great show lined up for you today, so stick around right after a word from today's presenting sponsor, Safety Cart. Safety Cart is a manufacturer of cylinder carts, cages, pallets, truck beds, and trailers, and is based in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Everything that we make is built here in the United States and started as an outgrowth of Walker Welders in the Mississippi Delta in 1969. Today, we send our products to all 50 states and beyond. For more information, visit safetycart.com today. During this year's GAUTA annual convention, Galen Emanuel gave two presentations. He gave a presentation to the Young Professionals Committee and also a keynote presentation to the entire conference. He was generous enough to join us during the conference. Galen, we really appreciate the time. Before your keynote, you gave a smaller, more intimate presentation to the YP Committee. Can you talk about how you tailored that presentation to the younger audience and what some of the key concepts that you discussed were? Yeah, um, I can. And the, the message yesterday was sort of split into two parts. So one was building a culture of feedback, 
about like just your relationship with feedback, giving and receiving feedback, the importance for leaders uh, to have a strong relationship with feedback, to ask for feedback from their team. And then the second kind of portion of the, of the time that I had was about how do you establish really intentional, clearly defined kind of culture inside an organization, inside a team. So yeah, I think tailored in the context of they are young professionals, so they are not necessarily the person in charge of the entire company, but thinking about like your leadership presence and, and who you, your, your own kind of leadership identity, you know, and like as people who will, you know, either be in charge of teams now in the future, it's like in their careers, they grow, be in charge of, uh, you know, organizations and teams. It's like their relationship with feedback, what they establish as norms on their team, uh, as well as the skill of how do you build culture inside an organization, which is such a critical piece and element of you know something that you can have that's incredibly valuable to any organization in your role is the understanding of how do you establish culture, how do you impact people's behavior and the way they show up and team dynamics, which of course has a huge impact on all the things that we care about as businesses, uh, right? Retention, bottom line, performance, engagement, um, turnover, like attracting talent, all of those things. So yeah. One of the concepts that you mentioned that I found interesting is being able to solicit feedback as a leader. Your company has to have a pretty strong culture to have young professionals feel comfortable giving honest feedback to their leaders and knowing that they will be heard. Can you discuss that idea a little bit more? Uh, great question. And it's from the beginning. It's through consistency, right? It's from the second that you onboarding somebody into an organization that you as a leader or a leadership team or a company say, hey, our relationship with feedback looks like this, right? That it, we value feedback as an opportunity to like build better relationships, to grow, to improve, whether you are a frontline brand new employee, whether you are an executive and you've been here for years and years and years, feedback is how we grow. It's how we continually learn and improve um, and so asking for that, having that be part of your culture inside your organization and normalizing those conversations, right? Normalizing that leaders will ask you for feedback and respond to it well, which is a key part of leaders asking for feedback is having people not feel afraid to be honest is by receiving feedback well, by, you know, by putting the relationship first in terms of my ego uh, is not as important as like nurturing this relationship and focusing on your experience as a coworker, as a colleague, as a direct report, um, right? As an employee of this organization. So, um, uh, yeah, it's it's through through normalizing those conversations through you know feedback is a skill. Nobody is born an expert at giving receiving feedback, so it's something that you can invest in for yourself as a leader, as a growing leader, as somebody who is going to be in charge at some point. Feedback is a skill that you can pursue, gain skills in. You know, there's a lot of books, there's a lot of resources out there that help you, and that is one area both at work and in your personal sort of relationships in life that will level up your relationships a lot um, is just being able to be really great at feedback, uh, both giving and receiving it. So culture has long been a buzzword in the industry. Can you discuss how companies can create a culture that truly permeates the whole company and isn't simply a catchy slogan for your wall or your business card? That is, that is, the, that is the question <laughs> because a lot of companies, I think, um, you know, uh, understanding not just like what culture is, but how to establish culture, how to operationalize culture. So it's not something that is just a pretty poster on the wall with some cool words, right? Your, your list of corporate values of trust, integrity, respect, teamwork, excellence, fun, um, which sound great and they're well-meaning, but they do not have impact on how people actually show up every, every single day. So your question was, how do you do that? Uh, I think in a like bite-sized kind of answer, the three pieces of the three elements that you need to create intentional culture that's tangible that you can actually feel in an organization are clarity. You have to be clear about what are the behaviors, what are the ground rules of engagement of how we show up. So not 
trust, integrity, respect, those things are great, but we have to define what do those look like here? What does respect look like here in behaviors, right? Excellence is a theme. It's a concept, right? It's a very kind of loosely broad understood concept. But if we say one example of excellence here in this organization on this team is that we don't see feedback as a threat. We see it as an opportunity. We actively seek it out. We give and receive it with grace. If I am establishing a culture inside my organization, I say that is what excellence looks like here. So we have to get clearer. We have to go beyond loose, broad themes and concepts like values and say, what does that look like in practice? What are the behaviors? What are the mindsets? Um, that's one element of culture. You also need commitment. So you have to, you have to, as a leadership team, as an organization, you have to say these behaviors that we establish apply to every single person across the board without exception. Whether you are the CEO, you're on the executive team, you're a brand new employee that's been here for two weeks. Uh, every single person is held to the same high standard, right? We're accountable to the exact same culture, the same behaviors. We have to have that commitment at 100% across the organization. And the third thing that you need is consistency. You need to be able to operationalize culture so it is integrated into every aspect of employee experience. So hiring, onboarding, performance evaluations, rewards and recognition, coaching and feedback, training and development, everything that people experience as employees, it needs to be woven into the fabric of that experience. So it's not something that you pull out once a year in a performance review. It's actually tangible that like from every every aspect of what you experience as an employee, as part of the team, no matter what your role is inside the organization, that culture is woven into the DNA, the fabric of your experience. Um, that's how, it's a really kind of like short answer, but like that's, that's what it takes. During your two presentations during the convention, you tackled some pretty big concepts. What are the one or two biggest takeaways that you would have liked attendees to walk away from this conference with and be able to bring back to their companies? The things I hope people take away are some like really kind of profound and concrete nuggets about how to communicate more effectively and Im impact and influence other people. So it's a mix of sort of an awareness of that, uh, as well as some skills and tools about this is what really making other people feel listened to looks like and feels like in real time, um, as well as kind of the tangible takeaways of here's a model for asking for feedback and giving feedback. Here is, right, here's a model for how you develop culture inside the organization. So uh, I think a mix of, of fun, uh, but I don't, I never want my sessions to be just an hour of fun with Galen and then go back and on Monday everything's the same as it's always been. It's like, what are the really kind of concrete takeaways? And so to me, it's, it's an awareness, some actual skills, some tools that are resources in like PDF form that people can take back, apply, right, recreate with their teams, like just do the actual work on the ground to implement the things that they're learning uh, in my session, but to actually be able to take them back and have them be real. Last question for you, Galen, and it's probably difficult to quantify, but that's kind of the point. When you implement a new CRM, you can definitively point to the bottom line and say that it worked or it didn't. But with soft skills like culture, the impact isn't so black and white. When implemented correctly, how much of an impact can they have on a business's bottom line? Massively. <laughs> I mean, that... I've, and I, so part of the work that I do with teams is to sort of like walk them through hand in hand of like developing intentional culture, right? Of establishing clearly defined behaviors, of solidifying their commitment as a leadership team, as an organization to those behaviors and that culture, uh, and then consistently integrating it. And I have seen organizations completely transform in terms of people's, you know, on, you know, you see it in hard data points. So you see it in like turnover and retention, uh, right? What people say in, in exit interviews, the surveys that you, you know, actually, you know, when you're doing like culture surveys, feedback surveys from the organization to say, what are we doing well? How do you feel about your culture? How do you feel about your job? I think there's a huge impact there. But to me, the conversations change. So an organization that I'll work with for 
six months or a year from going through establishing like culture in a really tangible tactical way like the conversation completely shifts in terms of this is what we're seeing this is the conversations that we're having this is how people are sort of engaged and feedback from the teams and people saying my team is more connected they're more cohesive they're more vulnerable um, they reward each other's work uh, right we have an easier time navigating conflict or change or feedback conversations because of us being intentional about how we operate and what those things look like on the ground so um, you know a lot of it the challenge with culture is a lot of people think it is very sort of intangible, right? That the takeaways that the, you know, that it's not as measurable. And the truth is that it is. There's hard data points about turnover, what it costs you to retain employees, what it costs you to hire, right? And bring in new employees and, and get them up to speed is like there's hard data points about what we experience if we don't have an exceptional culture. If we have high turnover, we have like low morale, we don't have as efficient teams, we have less customer service uh, satisfaction, right? All of those things that impact bottom line people like right the people stay in their jobs that they're engaged in their jobs they try hard in their jobs right makes for better bottom line sales less turnover right like more productive less mistakes on the line better customer experience which leads to like people coming back repeat business and having those like solid relationships with our customers and clients like great culture inside an organization impacts every single thing that you care about as an organization and, and the bottom line uh, and in very kind of tangible measurable ways even though a lot of the, a lot of the work is hard to quantify right somebody having a great idea but but having the courage to speak up in a meeting and share that idea versus keep it to themselves like how, how do you put a number on that right how do you put like a, a dollar amount on that or somebody who chooses not to like gossip or badmouth about somebody else in another department because that's not how we operate here it's like you know some of those things are kind of intangible how do you qualify how do you put a number amount i'm like that's worth this to the company but the loss in productivity in morale and the fact that these two departments don't like each other and they talk smack about each other it's like those things have a massive impact to the like success of the organization so um yeah it's a tricky question it's a sort of there's a lot to say about that i could talk about it forever and ever and ever but um culture matters employee experience matters the landscape over the last three or four or five years in business has shifted right we're like if, if organizations aren't having conversations about creating intentional culture, about being very intentional about employee experience, retaining, right, retaining employees, attracting great talent, like they're behind the ball. And I think every organization is sort of aware of that. So yeah, lots to talk about. I love this topic. So I know I'm like, blah, 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 but it's good stuff. I love it. For those who weren't able to attend your sessions, do you have any resources available that they can learn more about what you discussed? Obviously, through my website, um, you can reach out to me and, and stuff. I also put out a lot of content for free. Um, every Tuesday morning, I put out, uh, it's called The Culture Drop, but I put out a free five-minute video that has to do with like all topics around culture and people and teams and, uh, and, and training kind of stuff. So how do you have a difficult conversation with your boss? How do you give and receive feedback? How do you navigate conflict? How do you hire for emotional intelligence? Like, I mean, how do you build culture? So there's a lot of stuff there. And um, people can sign up for that to join that. It's free. There's no paid version of it. But all of those videos that I've created, and I've done it for a couple of years, so there's hundreds of them are all on my YouTube channel as well. So there's a lot of just like free resources, free training, free stuff. It's like, um, you know, I just, I love this stuff and I have a lot to say. So I put out a lot of content. Um, originally, we started doing that to support teams that I was working with. Just so like, hey, here's some more additional content. And then we're just like, let's just give this away for free because it's really valuable stuff and, and people can access it. So um, that's a couple of different ways. And of course, to hire me to do workshops, to, to like, you know, consult on like building culture with teams is something I do. But, um, but I also put out a lot of free stuff as well that people can access um, because there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to do, you know, leadership, culture, all these things, running an organization, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to know. And so providing just some tools, some resources, conversations for teams to do that more effectively and to be more successful is something I love. So, uh, yeah. 
Galen, we really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. Hobart Institute of Welding Technology is excited to offer a four-day Welding for the Non-Welder course. This course gives the non-welder a solid background and overview of the welding field along with some hands-on experience with the major welding processes. It's ideal for purchasing agents, plant managers, manufacturers of welding products, distributor salespeople, supervisors, and more to gain an understanding of welding that will make them more proficient in a job that involves welding-related activities. Check out our website today for more information or give us a call at 937-332-9500. If you missed the November 15th episode of Gotta TV, Gotta Member Services Committee member Colleen Kohler interviewed Mississippi Welders Supply Company President Scott Myron about the impact that Gotta membership has had on Scott and the company. During that episode, Scott talked specifically about his experience working with Gotta's DHS, EPA, and OSHA consultant Marilyn Dempsey. If you didn't see that episode, click the link in the description below to go back and watch. Here with part two of that interview are Colleen and Scott to discuss Mississippi Welder Supply Company's experience working with Gauda's DOT consultant, Michael Dodd. I go back way, way, way far with Mike Dodd. And uh, his, his DOT experience and expertise has been great. When we need Mike, it's easy to call him. We typically have him in every two or three years to do a, uh, a mock DOT. Mike set up our DOT record keeping a number of years ago and we still use that and it's a very easy, painless system to use. I would highly recommend it. If you're unfortunate enough to have a DOT audit, you really want to have your house in order and, and Mike will have you do that. Other areas where we've used Mike is, is periodically there are accidents, there are truck accidents, there are auto accidents, and probably one of our first calls is to Mike to relay to him what happened, what are the circumstances, what's going on, and what do we do? What, what's our next move? Do we need to have a, uh, uh, a DOT drug screen done on this person, or do we not need to have a DOT drug screen? Because it does matter whether you do that or whether you don't do that, depending on the circumstances. So, uh, again, another great consultant. I, I can't say enough good about Mike. He is very, very well-rounded. He knows DOT, and he has been a super advocate for us over the years. I feel very, very fortunate to have him as a friend. To hear about Scott's experience with Gauda's FDA and medical gas consultant Tom Badstubner, tune into the January 15th episode of Gauda TV. Gas distributors, tank repair shops, cryogenic techs. Live the Equigas experience and find out for yourself. Send us a picture and we'll help you identify what you really need. We have the equipment you need with the service you deserve. Make your life easier. Give us a call today. We answer the phone and ship the same day. With this being our final Gotta TV episode of 2023, we wanted to look back at the most watched interviews from this year in a kind of year in review to see what Gotta members were most interested in this year. As always, if you have ideas for future episodes of the show, or you would be willing to be interviewed on a particular topic that you feel would be insightful for Gotta members, please reach out to me today using the email address in the description below. The following are questions from our four most viewed interviews from 2023. Thank you again for your continued viewership and support. Our most watched interview in 2023 was actually from the first episode of the year, Gauda episode 42, where we had the opportunity to interview Chart Industry CEO Jill Ivanko. Obviously, independent distributors are a huge percentage of our Gauda membership. How important are those distributors to Chart's go-to-market strategy? 
Well, independent distributors are, in my opinion, the heart and soul of the gases and welding industry. Um, so, you know, I'd start with that. And I'd say that's why we are just such strong supporters of GATA and all the participants in, in the industry. Um, they've always been really important to chart, especially related to our new product development capabilities. Um, as far back as the 90s and the rollout of the ORCA, we used uh, small and medium independent distributors as the test, the testing folks for these new product developments. Um, that includes siphon tanks, that include trifectas, mobile equipment. Um, you can see that also through um, through COVID, where there were multiple different uh, machinations around mobile medical field applications. And um, so we're we're heavily reliant on the small and medium independent distributors to continue to innovate and bring these types of solutions to market. And you know, I can't reiterate the importance of uh, of this group to the chart future. Our next most watched interview was with Liz Letke and Tony Hopkins of the Horton Group discussing GAUDA's new ancillary benefit program. That interview ran in our October 15th episode of the show. GAUDA announced in July that it was unveiling its new ancillary benefit program in partnership with the Horton Group. Can you describe the benefits of that program? So the updated GAUDA benefits program, um, it's really evolved from what it previously was, which was strictly life insurance in the form of a trust program. So what we've done is we've taken the program to include not just life insurance anymore, but we've expanded the benefit offering to include uh, lines of coverage, such as dental, vision, life insurance, voluntary life insurance, short and long-term disability, as well as what you would typically think of as an AFLAC benefit or worksite benefit. So accident, critical illness, hospital indemnity. So all of those lines of coverage are available to all GATA members. If you were a previous uh, participant in the life insurance plan, your rates were reduced by 10% uh, while being able to keep your benefit level the same. And there's a two-year rate guarantee on those lines of, on that line of coverage. With the expansion of the program, the carrier partner, which is MetLife, has agreed to take existing plan designs for dental vision, disability, et cetera. They will also reduce those lines of coverages rates 10%, and there's rate guarantees included in all of those lines. And really, last but not least, is there's a technology component that we've included in the God of Benefits program. So um, I know there's many companies that are still utilizing paper to do their benefit open enrollment. Um, obviously, that creates a, a pretty big lift um, administratively for, for GATA, you know, GATA employers who have to collect paper applications. If you work, you know, if you've ever had to fill out a, an insurance application, it's never fun. So we've uh, included a technology piece through uh, Employee Navigator, which is a benefit administration software program. Uh, so employees can enroll in their benefits through Employee Navigator. And that's something that the Horton Group will build um, and maintain for each GATA group that wants it. And it doesn't cost uh, the employer anything. On March 15th, we had the opportunity to speak with Jake Maynard from Sutton Garden about the CO2 shortage that the industry found itself in the grips of. How have you managed the supply of CO2 that you have received? Have you had any conversations with your customers to educate them about what's going on? And what has that process been like? Yeah, we, we've uh, really improved our storage capacity on site. Um, we're a, a good regional player for dry ice manufacturing. So we've actually updated 
Uh, we have 360 tons of storage capacity on site right now, which really helps kind of the ebbs and flows coming off of force majeure, because uh, typically those last a week or two. And a lot of times the lead time is really getting the tanks filled back up. So it's nice to have that type of storage capacity on site um, just to kind of even things out during a force majeure. And that's something we, we communicate directly with our customers up front is that it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when a force majeure is going to happen. So we're very transparent there. And then letting them know that uh, when it does come in, we're very uh, on the on the front edge of, of letting them know ahead of time so they can plan accordingly. And then that just that extra backup storage capacity helps us keep liquid levels in uh, as the suppliers are trying to get the trucks back out on the road and, and keep, get everybody topped off. Finally, our fourth most viewed interview of 2023 came from our SMC recap episode on May 15th, where we had the opportunity to speak with Gauda board member Brad Dunn on site in Philadelphia. Another part of that robust growth has been your foray into dry ice. CK was pretty early to that market. Can you tell us about the decision to invest in dry ice and how it's benefited CK? Yeah, we were uh, one of the few early adopters, however, uh, in true Gauda fashion, I, I was able to visit with a few distributors that were doing it uh, before us and they opened their doors and, and let us in and, and asked all the questions that, uh, you know, they learned from. So we, we were in it for, uh, been in about eight years and um, it's been a, a tremendous growth uh, uh, product for our, our um, company. And now we have three dry manufacturing locations throughout Missouri and uh, it's become a, a nice um, ancillary product line that, uh, that uh, you know, has uh, played into kind of our total package now. Thank you so much to Jill, Liz, Tony, Jake, Brad, and all of the other amazing guests that joined us on Gauda TV this year. This show wouldn't be possible without the amazing support of Gauda members like you. Put Weltcoa's manufacturing expertise to work for you. Weltcoa has been creating solutions and manufacturing gas-related products for over 50 years. Its team takes the time to understand your fill plant environment and design a solution that meets and often exceeds the objectives. When you choose Weltcoa, you can rest assured that you'll be investing in the most dependable, made-in-the-USA products on the market today. We're here to support you, Gotta. Get more with Weltcoa today. Today's member news segment is brought to you by Anthony Welded Products. With carts, cradles, cages, and pallets, Anthony has a model for every purpose. Gauda Media is actively working on our first quarter 2024 issue of Welding Gases Today, which is the annual forecast issue. If you haven't already, please fill out the forecast survey using the link in the description below. The more members who fill out the survey, the more complete picture we will be able to provide for the gas and welding economy in 2024. Thank you so much for your help with this. Butler Gas President and CEO and past Gauda President Abity Butler-Moore was elected as the President of IOMA. Congratulations, Abity. During the IWDC Annual Owners Meeting, Jenny McCall handed over the gavel of Chairman of the Board to West Air Gases and Equipment CEO Steve Castiglione. Congratulations to both Jenny and Steve. Also during the IWDC Owners Meeting, Hahn Welding Chairman of the Board Mark Hahn received the prestigious Bob Jackson Award for contributions to IWDC and the industrial gas and welding industry. Congratulations, Mark. Master Americas announced that Elena Skortskova was named America's President and CEO as the company completed its acquisition of Messer Industries. Noble Gas Solutions hosted its grand opening event at its new location in Utica, New York. The Worthington Industries Board of Directors approved the separation of Worthington Steel. 
National Standard announced that it had rebranded as NSARC. The American Welding Society Foundation announced the winners of its Light a Spark grant to seven schools. To see the full list of winners, click the link in the description below. Forney Industries announced that Dane Anderson was promoted to Chief Operating Officer. The company also announced that Kenny Genzel was promoted to Chief Financial Officer. Congratulations, Dane and Kenny. And finally, Norco released a commemorative 75th anniversary video to celebrate the company's milestone. Congratulations to Norco on 75 years of success. To learn more about any of these member news items, or to submit member news of your own, read the full December 15th Gauta Connection in your email inbox today, or by clicking the link in the description below. And for the last time in 2023, that's our show. Once again, we can't thank you enough for your continued support of the show. From our family to yours, we wish you happy holidays and a safe and prosperous new year. This episode's Gary Halter quote of the month comes from NFL superstar J.J. Watt, who said, Success is never owned, it's rented, and the rent is due every day.